Hello, and welcome to Misinformation, a trivia podcast for anyone who loves cool trivia and sticking it to annoying teams at pub quiz. Stick it to annoying teams at putt putt. We are not sponsored by any miniature golf no. places at this point. We are not. No, we're um, not. Hi, I'm Julia, I think. And I'm yeah. Lauren. We're your hosts. Yeah. <laughs> it's been a while, guys. As as you now know, we have, ch- there are multiple children in our household yes. at this point. Yes, So we're many. lucky we can, um, you know. Form complete sentences and remember our original like intros or know who any famous people's names are or what they look like or any of these yeah. things. Yeah. Real so. confession. It has been quite some time since we have been to trivia. Yes. Also. Very long, years at this point. Yeah. Oh my and God. Yeah. I mean, well, that's you know, tough to pandemic think about. And then babies and then, you know. Yeah. Yeah. We've done it's, some virtual ones, which, which have been yeah. fun, but, um, but I mean, yeah, we got to get back out there and, and actually beat some annoying teams or teens, depending on your interpretation. Yeah, However anyway. you want to do it. <laughs> anyway, speaking of beating, um, it's been, you know, it's been a minute since we've done a sports episode. Ooh, yes, so, of course. And I am pretty much the resident, the resident sporto in the, on. I would agree with that. Of yeah. our duo, mm-hmm. um, per se. So I thought it would be time to actually, let's talk about a topic that I feel feel like i should know a lot more about but do not um mm. and it does come up in learned league and Ooh. you know we should just know more about this if you don't um this yeah. episode is all about the wnba yes these ladies are incredible they they are incredible. So yes, we have lots to talk about. Um, I'm going to go over a little bit of like rudimentary, like gameplay. If you're not mm-hmm. super familiar with basketball, some of us aren't basketball people, and that's yeah. okay. Um, yeah, that's fine. A little bit of the history, um, a little bit of things that are like different between the WNBA and the NBA, and then talk about some players and some other stuff you should know. So. Full disclosure, I know more about basketball than you might think because in high school, there was a guy I was interested in dating and he was super into the Syracuse basketball team, which was very popular at the time and they were doing very well. So I learned uh, quite a bit about basketball (laughs) in a super fast crash course, (laughs) which I may retain some of. So Uh, one of Engineer Josh's favorite podcasts is the flagrant ones, which is... Mm the Hollywood handbook boys with Carl Tart talking about the NBA. So somebody in our house has gotten very into basketball. In there the we last go. Couple See? Of years. Um, he owns a couple of t-shirts for members of the secret NBA. Um, <laughs> oh. <laughs> okay. The Baltimore pinchy crabs. Mm. Um, yes. The, I do remember that t-shirt. <laughs> the Pittsburgh shirts mm. and Greenwich meantime, which is like a, oh, an angry clock. Good. It's a cute, it's a cute shirt. That's anyway, pretty good. I that's digress. A good we're talking about the WNBA, guys. Yeah, we're talking about legitimate yes. sports here. Yes. So um, the WNBA was created, officially approved by the NBA Board of Governors in April 1996. So the WNBA began with eight teams. There were four in the Eastern Conference, four in the Western Conference. Um, this was actually not the first major women's professional basketball league in the U.S. That was actually the WBL, the Women's Pro Basketball League, which ran from 1978 to 1981. Mm. Um, but the WNBA was the first league to receive the full backing of the NBA. And in fact, the WNBA logo, um, which they referred to as Logo Woman, uh, directly oh paralleled the NBA logo. Um, oh, okay. So the WNBA Jeez. began its first season on June 21st, 1997, and the first game featured the New York Liberty facing the Los Angeles Sparks in LA, and the first point in the league was scored by Penny Toller of the Sparks. So in the WNBA, and also in the NBA and NCAA, the basketball court is 94 by 50 feet. That's 29 by 15 meters. And at almost all levels of competition, the top of the rim of the basketball hoop is exactly mm-hmm. 10 feet above the court and four feet inside the baseline. So okay. there might be some variation in the dimensions of the court or the backboard in basketball, but it's considered very important for the basketball, um, mm-hmm. for like the basket to be of the correct height. So yeah. a rim that's off by 
like a few centimeters can really, you know, mess up, throw everything off, <laughs> really throw everything off. Exactly. So um, I also thought this was interesting. So the net on the on the hoop, um, mm-hmm. it the net must, quote, check the ball momentarily as it passes through the basket to aid in the visual confirmation that the ball went through. And this also slows the ball down oh. so that it, the rebound doesn't go as far. Isn't That's that interesting? interesting. Like, oh, I didn't realize that. Yeah. It's just like, oh, okay. Yeah. You can see that that... That the ball... Yeah, that it actually went through. Yeah. Yeah. It's more important than you think. Like in hockey, there have been times where somebody shot the puck so hard and fast, it actually went through one of the holes of the net and like through the back and like kept playing. So yeah, you just kind of don't think about like how important that net actually is. Yeah. The visual representation of a a score. Right. Right. Yeah. So standard basketball rules as defined by the NBA, but with a few differences. So in the WNBA, gameplay is spread out in four 10-minute quarters. Uh, The NBA is actually 12-minute quarters. The regulation WNBA ball is one inch smaller and two ounces lighter than the Mm. NBA ball. So it's 28.5 inches in circumference and weighs 20 ounces. It's also striped. It's colored orange and tan. And um, the three-point line is actually a bit smaller than the NBA. It's more identical to the NCAA play. And also okay. the shot clock is 24 seconds, which is like the NBA. Mm-hmm. Um, so five players from each team can be on the court at one time. Uh, substitutions are unlimited, but can be done when the play is stopped. So the starting lineup on a basketball team, it's usually five positions and is typically called the 2-1-2 lineup. You, you mm-hmm. might, yeah, you're, you'll be familiar oh, with I'm all familiar. of this. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so, and also a lot of players can play more than one position on the court. So that's good too. So oh, I, I played... I played basketball in middle school. I forgot to mention that. <laughs> I also played basketball. I was not yeah. very good. It's very memorable experience for you, clearly. <laughs> clearly. Like <a> core. <laughs> My dad was the coach. <laughs> All right. So here's your positions on the court. The yeah. point guard. Also yes. referred to as the one. Uh, like the number one. Um, they're typically the team's shortest player. They're the best ball handler and passer. Um, they're usually very fast. They're good at driving and short range shooting. And they're responsible for directing plays, kind of like um, almost like the position equivalent of a quarterback in, in American yeah. football. Mm-hmm. You have the shooting guard, also called the two. Um, a shooting guard's main objective is to score points for their team and also sure. steal the ball on defense. Most shooting guards are prolific from the three-point Um, range and long mid range. Uh, So for example, in the NBA, Michael Jordan was actually a shooting guard. Yeah. You have the small forward also referred to as the three. They are considered to be the most versatile of the five main basketball positions. Um, So the small forward has good passing skills. They're good shooters from long range. They're very good at foul shooting. Um, They often get to the line and draw fouls from the other team's defense. Mm -hmm. And um, by by the way, just because the word small is in the name does not doesn't mean anything. Yeah. Um, in the NBA, small forwards can usually range from six foot four to six foot nine. Um, some of the greatest players to ever play at small forward are players like LeBron James and Kevin Durant and Larry Bird. Yeah. You have the power forward, also called the four. Um, that's often the team's most powerful and dependable scorer. Um, they're able to score close to the basket. They can also shoot mid-range jump shots, and they're very versatile on both offense and defense. Mm-hmm. And then you have the center, also called the five or the pivot. Um, they're usually the tallest player on the court. They spend a lot of time under the basket on defense and offense. Um, they block shots. They get rebounds on defense, and they usually score down low or in the paint, which is near the basket. What position did you play, Lauren? I was a forward. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We didn't have things like short forward or power (laughs) forward because um, I was in seventh grade. Um, But I, uh, you know, I did better than I did when I played field hockey, which I was very bad at field hockey. That was embarrassing. Awesome. Awesome. See, it's it's so fun doing this podcast because we just get to learn so much about each other, too. You know? I have a I have a deep sports history that you that I just don't talk about. <laughs> she also loves musicals. Um, all right. So in basketball, clearly the ball can be advanced toward the basket. It's being shot, passed between players, mm-hmm. thrown or tapped or rolled um, or dribbled. That's 
bouncing the ball while running. Um, So the ball has to stay in the court. The last team to touch the ball before it travels out of bounds forfeits possession. And the ball is out of bounds if it touches a boundary line or touches any player or object that is out of bounds. Um, So in basketball, the typical penalty for a violation of this is the loss of the ball to the other team. There's also some ball handling violations that include carrying. So that's when the dribbling mm-hmm. player keeps dribbling after allowing the ball to come to rest in one or both hands. Uh, traveling, when a player holding the ball moves one or both of their feet illegally. Uh, double dribbling, when a player ends yep. their dribble by catching or causing the ball to come to rest in one or both hands and then dribbles it again. Um, and then there are also backcourt violations. So there's also personal fouls and technical fouls that result in the turnover of the ball and often free throws if the player was fouled while attempting to score. Um, so your personal fouls can include things like charging, blocking, pushing, holding, and illegal use of the elbow. Um, a player can foul out on reaching a limit on personal fouls for the game and then is disqualified from participation in the remainder of the game. So those are all pretty important, like ground rules for, yeah. for basketball, <laughs> if you're not familiar. Um, anyway, so the season format of the WNBA. Uh, teams hold training camps in May to determine the 12-woman roster. The regular WNBA season also begins in May. And during the regular season, each team will play 36 games, 18 each home and away. Um, Each team will play three of the other in-conference teams four times, so that's 12 games, and the remaining in-conference teams three times, that's six games. Mm -hmm. Each team then plays the six out-of-conference teams three times, so that's 18 games. And similar to the NBA, each team hosts and visits every other team at least once every season. Sure, yeah. During the years in which the Summer Olympics are held, the WNBA will take a month off in the middle of the season to allow players to practice and compete with their respective national teams, which I love seeing. Yeah, that's great. The WNBA playoffs usually begin in late August. Um, In the current system, the eight best teams by the regular season record without regard to their conference alignment actually qualify for the playoffs. And starting this year with the 2022 season, the playoffs began to be held in a standard knockout format with the first round consisting of a best of three series, the semifinals, and then also the finals being a best of five. The final playoff round, a best of five series between the two semifinal winners is known as the WNBA finals and is held annually. Mm. Um, currently scheduled to be finished in the month of September, 2022. Hey, and each player now. on the <laughs> exactly. Um, each player on the winning team also receives a championship ring. So as of the 2022 season, we have 12 teams in the league. The teams are in the Eastern conference, the Atlanta dream, the Chicago sky, the Connecticut sun, Indiana fever, New York Liberty, and the Washington mystics. Okay. So actually, and I'm just looking at the list now, um, out of all of the teams in the Eastern Conference, only the Washington Mystics are a plural team name. So oh, yeah. it's funny so it's like when you see, mm-hmm. yeah, when you like, because that'll come up in trivia too. It'll be like, what's sure. the, you know, the two ba- baseball teams that don't aren't and, pluralized and in the or whatever or something. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the Western Conference teams are the Dallas Wings, the Las Vegas Aces, the Los Angeles Sparks, the Minnesota Lynx the Phoenix Mercury, and the Seattle Storm. So you've Mm. probably heard of some of those. Yeah, definitely. In the 2022 season, there were eight female head coaches among the 12 competing teams, including three black women. So Tanisha Wright of the Atlantic Dream, Vicki Johnson of the Dallas Wings, and Noelle Quinn of the Seattle Storm. And six Mm. of the female head coaches are former WNBA players. Cool, yeah. There are five teams that have direct NBA counterparts and play in that same arena. Um, so the Gainbridge Fieldhouse is home to uh, the Indiana Fever and the Indiana Pacers in Indianapolis. Mm. Uh, the Crypto.com Arena, formerly oh, the Staples boy. Center, which I didn't realize it changed its name, um, is for Los Angeles. So that's the Sparks, the Lakers, and the Clippers play at the Crypto.com Arena. Yikes. Um, at the Target Center in Minneapolis, the Minnesota Lynx and the Minnesota Timberwolves play. At the Mm. Barclays Center in Brooklyn, you have the New York Liberty and the Nets. And at the Footprint Center in Phoenix, you have the Mercury and the Suns. The sixth WNBA team with an associated NBA team are the Washington Mystics and the Washington Wizards, but they don't play in the same arena. Um, Surprisingly, there are three WNBA teams that are in the same market as an NBA team, but they're not considered to be affiliated. So that's Chicago, um, the Sky and the Bulls, Dallas, the Wings and the Mavericks, and Atlanta, the Dream and the Hawks. I don't know why. I don't know why they're not affiliated. I wonder why that is. 
but hmm. interesting. Um, so over the course of the history of the WBA, some several teams have relocated. So you sure, have yeah. uh, the Detroit Shock relocated to Tulsa, Oklahoma in 2010 and became the Tulsa Shock. The Orlando Miracle moved to Uncasville, Connecticut in 2003 mm. and became the Connecticut Sun. Mm. The Utah Stars with two Zs at the end. Um, two Zs? Well, like the Utah Jazz. Oh, sure. Utah okay. Stars. Yep. You're right. With two Zs. They relocated to San Antonio, Texas in 2003 and became the San Antonio Silver Stars with an mm. S at the end. And then that actually got renamed to the San Antonio Stars. They removed silver from the name. So the Tulsa Shock, who had come from Detroit, moved to Arlington, Texas in 2015 and became the Dallas Wings. And then the San Antonio Stars, who were previously the San Antonio Silver Stars, who were previously the Utah Stars, moved to Las Vegas in 2017 and became the Las Vegas Aces. Okay. So no more stars. No more stars. No more stars. Or S. Right. Um, So... Uh, teams who have folded, so teams who were once oh, yeah. part of the WNBA and for various business reasons yeah, no sure. longer exist. The Charlotte Sting were around from 1997 to 2006. The Cleveland Rockers were around from 1997 Aww. to 2003. The Houston Comets were 1997 to 2008. The Miami Soul were 2000 to 2002. Portland Fire were 2000 to 2002, and the Sacramento Monarchs were 1997 to 2009. Teams that have the most titles, uh, with four each, the Houston Comets won the first four consecutive championships of the WNBA, but again, they folded in 2008. Mm. And um, four each for the Minnesota Lynx and the Seattle Storm, who are still playing in the league. Cool. Some WNBA players you have definitely heard of. Yeah. Ready? Cheryl Swoops. Yep. Um, she was born in 1971 and she played shooting guard and small forward. And she was the first player to be signed in the WNBA. Oh, cool. She was okay. a three-time WNBA MVP. She has three Olympic gold medals too. Um, so in her college year, she played for Texas Tech. She won the NCAA Women's Championship during her senior year in 1993. She was recruited by the Houston Comets for the 1997 WNBA inaugural season, and she returned six weeks after giving birth to her son to play the final what? third of that season. So no. are you ready to go play professional no. basketball right now? I am not. No. 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 I am barely <laughs> capable of, of walking around the block. With my child. It's wild. Um, So, she, yeah, like I said, she led the Comets in the 1997 WMA championship that year. Um, As a member of the Comets, she accumulated over 2,000 career points, 500 career rebounds, 300 career assists, and 200 career steals. Um, Cheryl Swoops is the first woman's basketball player to have a Nike shoe named after her. That's the cool. era Swoops. Um, so she was a Comet from 1997 to 2007. Then she played in Seattle in 2008 and then Tulsa in 2011. So she is a player you've heard of. Another mm-hmm. one you have heard of? Lisa Leslie. She was born in 1972. She played center. Uh, she was a three-time WNBA MVP also four-time Olympic gold medal winner. Lisa Leslie played at USC from 1990 to 1994. She was then drafted to the WNBA's Los Angeles Sparks in 1997, where she played till she retired in 2009. Um, Lisa Leslie was the first player to dunk in a WNBA game in 2002. She is six foot five. Damn. Yeah. That's a tall woman. That's a tall woman. Get it. Yes. Good. You know what? I hope she wears heels all the time. I hope she just absolutely towers over people. Yeah. She is. She has nothing to worry about. No. All right. Cynthia Cooper. Um, she was born in 1963. At age 34, she signed and played for the Houston Comets from 1997 wow. to 2000. She was named the MVP of the WNBA Finals all four seasons that she was Damn. in the league. She Amazing. led the league in scoring the first three seasons. And in 2010, she became the first WNBA player inducted into the Naismith Basketball Hall of Fame. Um, she's also been a coach of college basketball since 2005. She's currently coaching at Texas Southern University in Houston. So she was like, she that's like basically like us getting signed to a professional sports team. Yeah, right basically. Now. Yeah. Like, and I and can't then, even think. And then being the, the leading scorers. <laughs> yeah. And an MVP for four years in a row. No. Uh, <laughs> I'm too tired. I'm too hot. I'm too tired. <laughs> <laughs> All right. You have Tina Thompson. Um, she's born in 1975. She played small forward or power forward. 
Tina Thompson was the first overall college draft pick in WNBA history. She came from USC. She also went to the same high school as Lisa Leslie. Wow. Um, so she played for the Houston Comets from 1997 to 2008. Then the Los Angeles Sparks from 2009 to 2011 and the Houston Storm from 2012 to 2013. Tina Thompson held the record as the WNBA's all-time leading scorer until 2017. So she held that record wow. for 20 years. Yeah. Um, some other players who are still in the league, you know, or or recently retired, I should say. Mm-hmm. Sue Bird. Um, yes. She was born in 1980. She plays point guard for the Seattle Storm. She was drafted first overall by the Storm in the 2002 WNBA draft and is considered one of the greatest players in WNBA history. Mm-hmm. Um, as of 2021, Bird was the only WNBA player to win titles in three different decades. She also has a wow. historic five Olympic gold medals and two NCAA championships at UConn. Um, so she did confirm in June 2022 that she would retire from playing professional basketball at the end of the 2022 season. So she is officially retired at this point. I mean, I mean, (laughs) uh, fine. (laughs) Right. Okay. I guess you've been playing in this league for like 20 seasons. Yeah. All right. Time to go. Um, But wow. Good for her. Yeah. Good for her. And her very famous sporting fiance is a soccer player, Megan Rapinoe. Oh, yes, of course. Yes. All right. There's also Tamika Catchings. She was born in 1979. She played small forward for the Indiana Fever from 2002 to 2016. Um, she played college ball for the Tennessee Lady Volunteers. And as a freshman on the undefeated 1997-1998 national championship team, she was a part of the Meeks, the three Meeks with Samika Randall and Shamik Holdsclaw. So you might hear that um, that kind of thrown around as a you know, sports trivia and as a player for the Indiana Fever for 15 seasons, uh, Tamika Catchings holds the record for the most steals in a career cool. with uh, 1,074. And she was an eight-time steals leader during each regular season. Yeah, get it. I love that. Yeah, get it. Literally, steal it. <laughs> All right, Diana Taurasi, she was born in 1982. She plays point guard and shooting guard for the Phoenix Mercury. Um, She was drafted first overall by them in 2004. She also played for UConn in college and led them to three consecutive NCAA championships. Whenever I have a basketball question, and I don't know the answer, I just default to Diana Taurasi. (laughs) (laughs) Um, She won the WNBA Rookie of the Year Award in 2004. Three WNBA championships, um, 2007, 2009, 2014. Another historic five Olympic gold medals. Um, one WNBA Most Valuable Player Award. Two WNBA Finals MVP Man. awards. Five scoring titles, uh, among oh other God. things. Yeah. Um, in June 2017, Tarasi became the WNBA all-time leading scorer. And in June 2021, became the first player to surpass 9,000 points. In 2021, she was selected by fans as the league's greatest player of all time. Wow. Um, yeah. So, and yeah. <laughs> So yeah. defaulting to her in trivia is yeah, it's, probably yeah, a good Yeah, it's move. like the Michael Jordan of... Yeah. Right. Exactly. Um, and she's married to former teammate Penny Taylor. Um, and then one more that I think everybody should know, uh, Brittany Griner. Yes. She was born in 1990. Um, she's been in the news a lot in 2022. As of this recording, she's still in prison in Russia where she was detained by Russian customs on drug charges after vaporizer cartridges containing less than a gram of hashish oil were found in her luggage. Ridiculous. She was sentenced to nine years in prison in August 2022, though there have been talks of a prisoner exchange to get her brought back to the U.S. And then, of course, Russia in exchange wants some like really bad Russian dudes sent back to Russia. Um, But, you know, besides this political drama for her career, um, she played college basketball for the Baylor Lady Bears in Waco, Texas. She is the only NCAA basketball player to score both 2000 points and block 500 shots. Oh like that's a lot of work. Um, in 2012, she received the Best Female Athlete ESPY Award. And in 2013, she signed an endorsement deal with Nike and was drafted first overall by the Phoenix Mercury. She yeah. is six foot nine. What? She wears a men's. I didn't realize she was that tall. She's so tall. She wears a men's US size 17 shoe. Oh my God. And she has an arm span of 87 and a half inches. This woman could destroy me. Absolutely. She would crush me and I would thank her for it. I would say so, thank you, Brittany Griner. <laughs> so this is like, this is pretty serious. So like, why, like I, a lot of people will be like, but why was she in Russia anyway? Like this and that and the other thing. I just in, 
like to sum it up in like two sentences, she plays mm-hmm. overseas in during the WNBA offseason, like a lot of other WNBA stars do. So yeah, because the season is so short and because they know they can make a lot of money playing in other countries. Yeah. You know, because they don't make enough money to live on exactly in the WNBA. A lot of them will travel overseas to play in leagues in China mm-hmm. and Russia and Israel and Italy, like among other countries. So yeah, yeah, she was there playing she was there doing her job. Right. She was there like literally doing her job and yes. making money for her and her family. Yes. But, you know, she had a little bit of oil in a uh, vape. And I don't even know what now she's in jail for. Is. I, I mean, <laughs> I, if I had it in my luggage, I wouldn't know. Right. <laughs> oh, gosh. It's ridiculous. Anyway. Um, free Britney. Hashtag yeah. free Britney. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, maybe by the time this this comes out, that'll something will have changed. From your mouth to God's mouth, right. Julia. <laughs> <laughs> have we said that on the podcast before yes we have okay we have. so people know that you know all right yeah. we know yeah. anyway more than 80 percent of wnba players are black but media coverage and merchandise production really skews very white yes okay mm-hmm. so in 2021 a study by two researchers at the university of massachusetts concluded that after controlling for points and rebounds white players individually averaged twice as much media mentions as black players during the 2020 season and this discrepancy was specifically called out by white yukon player paige bukers during her acceptance speech at the 2021 espy awards and Good. nbc sports journalist alex Azzi argued that this contributes to the perceived racial bias in the wnba merchandise rankings Mm. so for example in 2021 the top selling jerseys in the league were sabrina ionescu sue bird diana tarasi asia wilson and brianna stewart four of those five players are white despite again 80 percent of the wnba being women of color so it's like a lot of the merchandise they just don't have it ready to ship like it's just Mm. like stuff that you have to order special and you know, you can't just like go to the website for the Seattle Storm and like pick any random player on your team that you want their jersey or a t-shirt or merchandise or anything like oh, that. Interesting. Yeah. Um, they don't have that available. It's just the like, it's just the, it's just the white girls, I guess. Right. Yeah. And I was reading, which is ridiculous. I was reading like the Minnesota Lynx, the only like ready made jersey you can get from the Lynx was from a player who retired in 2016, like has ridiculous. Even in, yeah. So it's it's really unfortunate and like yeah so if you're going you say your grandma knows you like the WNBA and you're yeah. like she goes online to buy you a jersey and she'll be like well these are the popular jerseys I'll get you this it's just kind of perpetuating yeah. this like exactly yeah the self-perpetuating thing where it's like well if these are the only ones that I can get and I'm a big fan of this team that I'm going to just buy what's available right and then, you know then those sales go up and then it's seen like well it's only the white players that people want to buy the jerseys yeah up. isn't that so yeah. strange like it's ridiculous I mean I I mean Unfortunately, I like I understand like why uh, not why, but yeah. I mean I understand that it's happening. It just is is crazy. I think it's just something we all need to be very more aware of and, and yeah. be talking about more. Um, so in 2020, there was a collective bargaining agreement from the players in the in the league. Um, so there's mm-hmm. some good news that's come out of that. So first, total player compensation increased by slightly over 50 percent. That's great. Wow. That's so great. while of this, most of this increase went to star players, all players did benefit to some degree. So, however, according to a news story on NBC Chicago, as of September 2022, the league average of salaries in the WNBA is $102,751 among 151 athletes. So that's, you know, you're yeah. making, they're making $102,000. Like, that doesn't, yeah. that's the average. Um, yeah. There are three players tied for the highest paid player in the WNBA, Seattle Storm stars Jewel Lloyd and Brianna Stewart and Phoenix Mercury icon Diana Taurasi each had a salary of $228,094 for that season. So they're they're star players. They're making like kind of twice more, a little more than twice as much as league average. But, you know, your average salary, $102,000. Compared to the NBA, um, Mm -hmm. the highest paid player in the NBA, Steph Curry of the Golden State Warriors, earns more than $48 million a season. So meanwhile, Diana Taurasi is making $228,000. Yeah. And I can't even do that math right now. But yeah, yeah, so this is like, I know, another reason. The discrepancy is disgustingly unequal it's awful like we like we know this like we really like women's hockey too and there's only like 
four teams in the women's <laughs> national hockey yeah. league because they're just not making enough money to be able to like keep this going. No. It's crazy. Um, some other, but some good news, you know, besides that, uh, players in the WNBA receive their full salary while on maternity leave. And good. additionally, an annual child care stipend of $5,000 of players provided, uh, teams have to make apartments of at least two bedrooms available to players with children and they add facilities for nursing mothers. And the league offers family planning benefits that allow up to a $60,000 reimbursement for veteran players for expenses related to adoption, surrogacy, embryo preservation, or infertility treatment. So that's, that's great. That's that's a big step. Um, also, I was like, oh, this is part of the CBA. All players air travel to regular season games is at a minimum premium economy class. And also oh, each mm. player now has their own hotel room for road games. So apparently that wasn't always what? the case. Either, they made them so. share. Oh, my God. Yeah. Ugh, God, you know, like <laughs> this is, you know, all this stuff is like, you know, working for a university <laughs> that I like yeah. I do. This is all stuff that's like. If you were a like a tenure track professor, these things would be available. This mm -hmm. these would be your benefits. Mm -hmm. Not a, you know, like a sports superstar. That's right. probably like drawing in probably the majority of the WNBA, like the league's money. Yeah. Like that's ridiculous. Like perks like, oh, guess what? Now you get to have your own hotel room and you don't have to share with your teammates because <laughs> you're as an adult woman. Like, are you kidding me? <laughs> Like it's, the fact that that's like, yay, is crazy to me. Yeah. So it is It is nice that, you know, some of these teams have affiliates with the NBA team in their area, that it seems like yeah. they have some level of support. Um, yeah. But again, like the, the compensation and the recognition is nowhere, like is just eons behind what the NBA yeah. is. And it's a self-fulfilling prophecy in that way in that like, you know, there's a lot of there's criticism, especially when it started, like, well, no one's going to watch, you know, WNBA basketball. Well, if, if you don't air the games mm -hmm. on, you know, a television that you have access to, then people aren't going to be aware of it and become fans of it. Right. So if there aren't the fans, then the owners go, well, <laughs> there aren't any fans. There's no fans for mm -hmm. WNBA. Why even why pour money into the league if no one's going to come watch the games? Well, mm -hmm. if you don't promote it, then no one's going to come because they don't know. Like, that's how that works. I mean, that's how it works for mm -hmm. a lot of stuff, right? But it's just, it's just so insane. It's, it's just so insane. It is. It is. Um, some final WNBA facts for you. Please. So mm -hmm. the New York Liberties dance team, the Timeless Torches, consists of men and women over the age of 40 who just want to share their yes. love of performance with the New York Liberty crowd. Oh, God. So you might remember that Liz Lemon joined them in season six yes. of 30 Rock in the episode mm -hmm. Dance Like Nobody's Watching. And they are they are real. They are fabulous. Yep. They have like open mm. calls for people to come join them. They just, it's just people who just want to dance. <laughs> Isn't there a documentary about them or maybe the, something similar? Like they're called like the, the, the golden stars or something. Ooh, they're like, uh, there uh, must be, you're our resident documentary expert. So uh, I'll leave you know that what? to I you was, to find out. I was just talking about that. Cause Steve and I just watched that 30 rock episode oh. and I was like, Oh, there's a documentary about these people. <laughs> I think, um, but it is, it's extremely charming. It's just, it's like, they're going through like the audition process yeah. and there's all these like retirees who are like, Oh, I hope I get it. Like it's very chorus line. They, it's really adorable. They just want to share their love of dance with the <laughs> oh, they New York Liberty dance. crowd. Um, so in the year, in the year of our Lord 2018, um, Liz Cambage of the Dallas Wings scored 53 points in one game against the New York Liberty. So that nice. is the WNBA single game scoring record. Uh, Margot Didek is the tallest player to have ever played in the WNBA. She was what? a Polish player. She was a center for the Utah Stars and the San Antonio Silver Stars, as well as the Connecticut Sun and the Los Angeles Sparks from 1998 to 2008. Margot Didek was seven foot two inches tall. No. What? She was officially the what? tallest female professional basketball player in the world. Um, sadly, she passed away due to cardiac arrest in 2011, oh. but she's still like more than a decade later holds a ton of WNBA records for blocks, including the most blocks yeah. in her career because she was seven foot two. She could, she could, she could like gently cradle the basket in her <laughs> arms and just prevent people from She could shooting. probably just stand there with her hand up like right over it. Yeah. Just like, mm. just be like, boom, boom, boom. Get yep. out of here. Go. Yes. Don't bring that garbage here. <laughs> seven, two? Seven, two. Damn. That's so tall. 
All right. The 50-40-90 club, all right, 50-40-90 is an informal statistic used to rate players as excellent shooters in the NBA and now the WNBA. It requires a player to achieve the criteria of 50% field goal percentage. So that's just like you make 50% of the shots you take. Yeah. Um, 40% three-point field goal percentage. So you make 40% of the three points you try to get and a 90% free throw percentage over the course of a regular season, as well as meeting the minimum thresholds to qualify as a league leader in each category. So some of the NBA players who have done this in the 50, 40, 90 club include Larry Bird, Reggie Miller, Steve Nash did it four times, Kevin Durant and Steph Curry. Um, WNBA player Elena Del Don, who is the small forward for the Washington Mystics, joined their ranks in 2019 with an insane 51.5% field goal percentage, 43% three-point percentage, and a 97.4 no. th- free throw percentage. <laughs> what? Yeah. Oh, my God. So there's only like 13 players that have ever done this and like yeah. awesome. Like She's a woman a is one of them. Yes. I love it. Okay, finally, the 2022 WNBA playoffs just finished, guys. So uh, the first round, it was a best of three games. It had Vegas defeat Phoenix, Seattle defeat Washington, Chicago beat Liberty, and Connecticut over Dallas. The semifinals had Vegas beat Seattle in four games, and Connecticut win a best of five over Chicago. Uh, The finals, they were another best of five with Vegas playing Connecticut. So congratulations to the 2022 WNBA champions, the Las Vegas Aces. Amazing. Yay. Congratulations. Yeah. So if you weren't aware that the finals just ended, uh, go back and uh, read some of the sporting stuff from this past year. It's yeah. Pretty start cool. watching next season. Yeah. Yes. That's great. Yeah. Yes. We're start plugging watching. the WNBA. Yes. Yes. You get, you get that that good, good misinformation boost. So you're welcome, ladies of the WNB. <laughs> we should pick a team and just like start backing them. Absolutely. A hundred percent. I mean, we're in New York. We should go with the New York Liberty. Oh, I guess. Well, what's I don't the, know. Who what, sounds the funnest? Oh, that's a good, that's good. I mean, I do, I do like the, the Chicago sky sounds nice. Ooh, that does sound nice, doesn't it? Right. Yeah. I think their colors right, are well, pretty too. But who would need us the most, you know? Yeah, yeah. who's the underdog? <laughs> I mean, Minnesota could be, but yeah. yeah, we'll see. I mean, I have a soft spot for Minnesota. Yeah. Okay. Well, we have to, we have we'll the figure it out. Figure it out. Yeah. And then you yeah, guys we'll will find out. out who we're backing in the WNBA <laughs> next year. Yeah. All right. So for our quiz today, Lauren, mm. it has been a very long time since your episode on Babe Didrikson's Aharius. That was episode forty-five, was long- the greatest athlete who ever lived. Uh, which was not popular, by the way. <laughs> I am Remember very our- surprised. Uh, you know, yeah, like I can, you know, see on the back end, like our stats and stuff. And like, like people just kind of have. People did not love that episode. No, not that they haven't, not that they didn't like it. It's just like less people have listened to it than a That's lot of true. our other episodes for some reason. I don't <laughs> they know. They saw it and they were like, yeah, a Lauren Jane episode? Austin no, thank you. And uh, Babe Didrikson's Aharius, like. People are just not touching those episodes. I don't know why. So if you haven't it's listened good, to those, go back. They're very good. They're very good. Anyway. We provide a high quality product also, for you guys every one time. of uh, a four-day Jeopardy champion, our uh, our friend and yours, Katie Skelsky, uh, she said that she knew that name because of Lauren's episode and she yes. did get a uh, Jeopardy ans- clue right because of that. So yeah, just so. saying we can help you win money on national television. That's what I, I mean. I, it's it's a proven track record. It's proven. It's a proven track record. Proven. Anyway, this quiz yes. is called She Got Game. This is a quiz on some of the most incredible athletes of the 20th century and beyond. Question one. Which American tennis superstar became the first black woman to win a Grand Slam tennis title in 1956 on her way to dominating both Wimbledon and the U.S. Nationals the following year? She was also the first black woman to appear on the covers of Sports Illustrated and Time, though totally unrelated to the manufacturer of the Les Paul. Question two. Wilma Rudolph, the first American woman to win three track and field gold medals in a single Olympic game, sprinted her way to fame at the 1960 Summer Olympics held in what city? Question three. 
This Brazilian footballer goes by a mononym and is often referred to as the greatest footballer of all time. No, it's not Pele or Ronaldo, but this woman who holds the record for being Brazil's top international goal scorer of any gender, along with the record for the most goals scored in the FIFA World Cup tournament. Question four. Bonnie Blair competed in four Olympic Games, winning five gold medals. She took home gold for the 500 meter in Calgary, Albertville, and Lillehammer, and also gold in the 1,000 meter in Albertville and Lillehammer. For what sport is she best known? Question five. At age 12, she won the New Mexico Women's Amateur. At age 17, she played in the U.S. Women's Open as an amateur, then a professional in 1977. During her first full season on the LGPA Tour in 1978, she won nine tournaments, and she went on to become one of golf's best players from the 1970s through the 1980s, winning three majors and 48 tournaments. Name this groundbreaking Latina golfer. Question six. Simone Biles is the greatest of all time and the most decorated gymnast in history. She's so incredible that the Women's Artistic Gymnastics Code of Points has named a certain number of elements after her. How many are there? Hint, it's also the number of events a female gymnast competes in in the all-around. Question 7. Trisha Zorn is the most successful Paralympic athlete in history, having won a staggering 55 medals, including 41 gold, between 1980 and 2004. Over which sport did Zorn reign supreme? Question 8. Badass and aptly named rock climber Lynn Hill is famous for being the first person to make a free ascent of the nose on what granite monolith? Question 9. The most decorated figure skater in U.S. history is a five-time world champion, a nine-time U.S. champion, and a two-time Olympian. Who is this now-retired Olympian who has kept herself busy with higher education, endorsement deals, and public diplomacy appointments by the U.S. government? And finally, question 10. Sports Illustrated may have called Jackie Joyner-Kersey the greatest female athlete of the 20th century, but she drew inspiration from the multi-sport athlete Babe Didrikson Zaharias. In what combined events contest did Joyner-Kersey win Olympic gold twice? I will give you a minute to think about it and then be back with your answers. This is probably the hardest quiz you've ever given me. Easily. 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 <laughs> I have three words written on here, and most are, of them are, are they have fuck like you, four. Julia? <laughs> <laughs> most <laughs> that would be funny if that was. Most of them have like three or four uh, question marks behind them. So um I, Yeah, I'll admit I didn't do a lot of uh cluing in the in the it's all right. You know what? But you know what the thing is? This quiz is not just for me. It's for our mm, listeners yeah. as well. Okay. So right. if I don't do well, that doesn't mean you're going to do poorly. Listeners, I hope you do better than me, in fact. Um, this will not be for easy listening, however, in the next 10 questions. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. We'll do it. All right. All right. You, probably, right. you probably will get more than you think. Mm, all right. Question we'll one. Which American tennis superstar became the first black woman to win a Grand Slam tennis title in 1956 on her way to dominating both Wimbledon and the U.S. Nationals the following year? She was also the first black woman to appear on the covers of Sports Illustrated and Time, though totally unrelated to the manufacturer of the Les Paul. Okay, thank you for that clue, because uh, the word I'm looking for is Gibson. 
You are correct. This okay, is great. Althea Gibson. Althea. Um, she was around from 1927. Around. She was alive from 1927 <laughs> to 2003. She was just around. Um, so in 1957, at age 30, um, Althea Gibson was the first black champion in Wimbledon's 80-year history and the first champion to receive the trophy personally from Queen Elizabeth II, RIP. Um, nice. She said, quote, shaking hands with the Queen of England was a long way from being forced to sit in the colored section of the bus. Wow. In all, Althea Gibson won 11 Grand Slam tournaments, five singles titles, five doubles titles, one mixed doubles title. She was named the AP's Female Athlete of the Year in both 1957 and 1958, and she retired from tennis in 1958 because there were no professional women's tennis tours back then, so she only got paid oh. with promotional events and like exhibition matches. So she had more to give like she was yeah. like you know she was like in her she's like 30s. ran out of yeah she ran out of <laughs> things to do basically because there weren't enough right so again you know take take a page from from babe's book she also became the first black player to compete on the ladies professional golf association tour <laughs> She was just she like, was like eh, I'll just switch okay, sports. I'll just go play golf now. Yeah. Um, so she's been inducted into the International Tennis Hall of Fame as well as the International Women's Sports Hall of Fame. So Althea Amazing. Gibson is a name that you guys should know. Question two. Wilma Rudolph, the first American woman to win three track and field gold medals in a single Olympic game, sprinted her way to fame at the 1960 Summer Olympics held in what city? Uh, 1966? 1960. Like- 1960. The 1960 oh, okay. Oh, okay. Summer Olympics. That changes things for me. Um, <laughs> does it? No, it doesn't. It doesn't. <laughs> it doesn't. Um, uh, we're going to go with... Um, it's in Europe. Ooh, okay. It narrows it down. I was going to go with a European city. All right. I'm going to go with... Um, Ooh, how about Brussels? Ooh. I'm sorry. The answer is Rome. Rome. Uh, mm, uh, bigger city than Brussels. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if Brussels has ever... Um, Antwerp has Antwerp held the Olympics like early okay. in the 20th century, but I don't think Brussels ever did. Anyway, Wilma Rudolph, alive from 1940 to 1994. She was the 20th of 22 children. No. Okay? Nope. Right. Absolutely not. Her poor mother. Her poor mother. So anyway, Wilma, as a young child, was paralyzed by polio, and she contracted both scarlet fever and double pneumonia. Oh, my Um, God. She wore a leg brace, and a lot of doctors thought she would never walk again. Uh, But by the time she was 12, she regained her ability to walk, and she decided to take up sports, you know, take up athletics. Yeah. Eight years later, after regaining her ability what? to walk, she won a bronze medal at the Olympics as a member of the 4x100 relay team. And at the 1960 Olympics in Rome, she won gold in the 100-meter, 200-meter, and the 4x100-meter relay, breaking world oh records God. left and right. Um, this was also the first um, Summer Olympic Games that was telecast in North America. So this was like oh. a lot of – this was like the first time that people could actually watch – the watch the sporting events mm-hmm. and uh, officially see see the athletes essentially yeah, exactly. too yeah. so like she became this huge sensation in the US especially yeah, because as people could see look there's the black woman out here like mm-hmm. just winning sports racking just up destroying basically yes yeah. um she retired from track 2 years later like just you know what else mm-hmm. what else was she yeah. going to do done she continued her college education and she shifted to a career in teaching and coaching. Like Wilma Rudolph, man, huge inspiration. She's in, she's in one of Ellie's books. Oh, nice. Little Trailblazer. Of course. So mm-hmm. we talk about Wilma sometimes. All right. <laughs> Question three. This Brazilian footballer goes by a mononym and is often referred to as the greatest footballer of all time. No, it's not Pele or Ronaldo, but this woman who holds the record for being Brazil's top international goal scorer of any gender, along with the record for the most goals scored in the FIFA World Cup tournament. I have absolutely no idea okay. about who this is. I have, and you know what? Shame on me for not, I have never heard of this woman. You, you. Well, now you will know. Her name is Marta. Marta. Ooh. Yes. Her full name is Marta Vieira da Silva. So Marta, she's a prolific goal scorer. She's renowned for her striking ability. She's super, you know, accurate from penalty shots and set pieces too. Yeah. So she was born in 1986, started her professional football career at age 14. 
Um, from 2004 to 2008, she played for Umea in Sweden, which is part of the top tier of women's football there in Sweden. Um, she was named FIFA World Player of the Year in 2009, joined the women's professional soccer team, the Los Angeles Soul, for the team's inaugural season. She played in the Women's Professional Soccer League, the WPS, for the San Francisco FC Gold Pride. Western New York Flash and Orlando Pride, okay. as well as playing in Sweden and for the Brazilian national team in the Olympics and at FIFA's Women's World Cups. She is fluent in Portuguese, Swedish, and English. And again, she is Brazil's top international score- scorer of any gender, despite That's like amazing. Brazil's like storied history yeah. of being like having incredible at football. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Know her name, <laughs> Marta. <laughs> now I do. <laughs> uh, all right. Question four. Bonnie Blair competed in four Olympic Games, winning five gold medals. She took home gold for the 500 meter in Calgary, Albertville, and Lillehammer. Also gold in the 1,000 meter in Albertville and Lillehammer. For what sport is she best known? Uh, my guess here was skiing, question mark? Sorry. The answer is speed skating. Speed skating. I was close. I knew it was a winter sport. Would you like to know more about speed skating? Please tell me more about speed skating. All right. So in the Olympic Games, long track speed skating is usually referred to as just speed skating, while short track speed skating is known as short track. Okay. In individual long track speed skating events, competitors skate around a 4,000 meter oval in the contest for the best time. So that's about the same size as a running track. Mm. Um, And basically like two hockey rinks would essentially fit inside that track oval. Okay. So there's two lanes on the ice. There's two skaters who skate against each other basically Mm -hmm. for best time. They never come into contact with each other. They're basically just racing against the clock. And then they like change the lanes on each lap on the back straightaway. Um, But in short track, there are multiple skaters whipping around a 111 meter oval in a race to the finish line. Um, this is basically like roller derby, but on ice. Like, yes, so I've that's definitely what, seen yes, this. So that's what you've yeah. seen. So short track is much smaller. That track will fit into a hockey rink itself, mm. while long track is like a huge facility. Um, so there's different types of skates that you would come across in, in these sports too. So there's traditional mm-hmm. ice skates and there's clap skates. So the clap skates were introduced around 1996 and they were considered revolutionary because the blades are hinged at the front of the boot and they detach okay. from at the heel. So they allow the skater kind of a, like a large, like a more natural range of movement. So you'll also oh. hear that whenever they're on the ice too. Yes, you'll hear that, I was like, wondering what that click, was. Click, 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 click. Yes. Um, also in in both long track and short track skating, speed skating, a lot of attention is given to air resistance. So, mm-hmm. you know, if they're wearing helmets, what their body shape is, yeah. what their fabrics are. Sometimes they'll wear aerodynamic strips on their, on their outfits, like in a wow. lot more. So it's really like, it's like a lot of science stuff goes yeah. into how they... Um, how they are uh, tired on on mm-hmm. that track too. So again, Bonnie Blair, one of the most famous speed skaters in history, and um, like again, one of like the most medal winning um, Winter Olympians in U.S. history. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, question five. At age twelve, she won the New Mexico Women's Amateur. At age seventeen, she played in the Women's Open as an amateur, then a professional in nineteen seventy-seven. During her first full season on the LPGA Tour in nineteen seventy-eight, she won nine tournaments and went on to become one of golf's best players from the late seventies through the late eighties, winning three majors and forty-eight tournaments. Name this groundbreaking Latina golfer. I have no idea. Okay. Her <laughs> I know name. very little about golf. Her name is Nancy Lopez. Nancy Lopez. Yes. Okay. So she earned more than $5 million in prize money during her career and was the youngest woman ever to be inducted into the LPGA Hall of Fame. Mm. Nancy is still the only woman to have won the LPGA Player of the Year as well as Rookie of the Year and the Vare Trophy. um, That's for the leader in the lowest scoring average. Um, She's the only person who's done that in the same season. She also has a brand of women's golf apparel and accessories called Nancy Lopez Golf. It's for women of all shapes and sizes, of all walks of life. You know, are you are you just getting into golf in your 70s? No worries. Nancy Lopez Golf has an outfit for you. Are, are you a zafty yeah. woman in your 30s who's thinking about wearing golf golf Close. shorts for some reason? Yeah, sure. Then you can get in there too. So yeah, I was looking at her website. I was like, good for you. Go, you go, Nancy Lopez. You get, get that it, money. Nancy. Um, so yes, she is um she's a groundbreaking um Latina golfer. Good. That's awesome. 
All right, question six. Simone Biles, greatest of all time, most decorated gymnast in history. Mm-hmm. She's so incredible that the Women's Artistic Gymnastics Code of Points has named a certain number of elements after her. How many are there? Hint, it's also the number of events that a female gymnast completes in the all-around. Um, I am going to guess seven. <laughs> that is based on literally nothing except that it's the lucky number. Okay. Well, the number of events that a female gymnast completes in the all around is four. Okay. And you know what? Four was my other was your backup guess. Okay. Yep. Well, yes. Um, so in the, in the all around, you have vault balance beam floor exercise and the, um, the uneven bars, mm-hmm. but there, there are four elements named after Simone Biles that are codified in the women's artistic Damn. gymnastics code of points one on Amazing. the vault one on the balance beam and two on the floor exercise okay so the biles vault is a round off back handspring with a half turn entry with a front stretch somersault with two twists you got that can you do okay. all that in one uh, second let, hold on one second let me just break, break. <laughs> no i can't do it uh it has been assigned a difficulty value of 6.4 which is the most difficult vault in the sport her balance beam skill is the the Biles on the beam is a sure. double twisting, double tucked salto backwards dismount off the beam. Salto means somersault. Um, oh, so yes, a a double twisting, double tucked salto backwards dismount off the beam. Got that? Damn, you can do that yeah, one, okay. right? Sure. Um, her eponymous floor skills. Uh, the Biles is a double layout with a half twist, and the Biles two, which has a rating J, which is the highest rated skill across. Any apparatus in women's gymnastics. What? So the Biles 2 is a triple twisting, double tucked salto backwards. Like, and all of this gets done in like one second, guys. Yeah, in less than a second, like a half second. It's crazy. She is incredible to watch. She's She's incredible incredible. to watch. She's incredible. And she's still going. It's amazing. Wonderful. Bless her. All right. Question seven. Trisha Zorn is the most successful Paralympic athlete in history, having won a staggering 55 medals, including 41 gold, between 1980 and 2004. Over which sport did Zorn reign supreme? Okay. I'm going to say skiing. (laughs) Okay. The answer is swimming. I was close. It had an S in it. Okay, swimming. (laughs) All right. So Trisha Zorn was blind from birth, and she has competed in Paralympic swimming. So the Paralympic Games that has grown from a small gathering of British World War II veterans in 1948 to become one of the largest international sporting events by the early 21st century. Yeah. Um, So Paralympians strive for equal treatment with non-disabled Olympic athletes. But there again, there is a huge funding gap between Mm -hmm. something like the Olympic athletes and the Paralympic athletes. So there are 22 sports on the Summer Paralympic Program and just six sports on the Winter Paralympics Program. Mm. Um, the IPC has established 10 disability categories, including visual, physical, and intellectual impairment. And athletes with one of these disabilities can compete in the Paralympics, though not every sport can allow for every disability category. Sure. Um, just, you know, in Just general. by the nature of the sport or, yeah. But you know what? Trisha Zorn, blind from birth, uh, won 55 medals in swimming over Damn. the course of 24 years. Like she's, she's incredible. God bless her. Get it. Speaking of incredible, question eight. Badass and aptly named rock climber Lynn Hill is famous for being the first person to make a free ascent of the nose on what granite monolith? So I think I know what this is, but I can't remember the name of it. Is It's called like, shit. It's called like, oh, it's, is it El Capitan? It is El Capitan. Yes. Good job. So that nickname, El Capitan, was given by the Mariposa Battalion in 1851, um, taken to be a loose Spanish translation of the local Native American name for the cliff, Tutaca Nula, in the Miwok language. Just FYI. Um, so Lynn Hill, she got into free climbing in 1979. She quickly became addicted. She pioneered many new free climbing routes. So free climbing means you wear a rope to catch you if you fall, but you don't have any artificial means to help you ascend. So it's not like where you would like put a pickaxe mm-hmm. in and you pull yourself up and you know this and that. There's just like a rope on you in case you fall 3,000 meters to your death. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
whereas like free soloing, so like in that in the documentary um, uh, about yeah. him climbing El Capitan, free soloing is just no rope to catch you nope. at all. Nope, no. you just yep. you fall, you, you just die. Fall. Yep. So anyway, Lynn became no. a professional climber in 1988 and was one of the world's top sport climbers. In 1993, Lynn tackled the nose of El Capitan after four days of climbing, <laughs> becoming the first Ugh. person ever to free climb it. And she did it again in 1994 in 23 hours so over the course of a year what? like just like going back for round two she shaved three days off her time um she said in her autobiography Whoa. that one of the most difficult pitches of of that climb was that which has been nicknamed changing corners um that pitch was nearly blank with next to no holds and to ascend that section she had to quote use a carefully coordinated sequence of opposite pressures between her feet hands elbows and hips against the shallow walls of the corner as no. well as turn her body completely around no um nope yep yeah no 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 i say (laughs) (laughs) there was there was a period of time where steve and i watched like so many free solo like documentaries back to back to back about climbing and i like the the free solo documentary is if you haven't seen it is incredible to watch not only because it is very beautiful it's like beautifully done and it's very interesting about you know alex honnold and and his life and all this stuff and this like group of people that do this but also like the unedited shots of him just climbing <laughs> up a sheer rock face hundreds of thousands of feet in the air is just like it makes you want to throw up like it's so yeah. insane it's so yeah. insane pictures like looking straight down from the summit is like no look at- 3,000 feet from base to summit El Capitan no no thank you the no, good Lord you. did not make me a mountain goat for me to be climbing a sheer rock face. No, thank you. That's what all I have to say. But good for her. Good for good her. For That's her. amazing. Yeah. All right. Question nine. The most decorated figure skater in U.S. history is a five-time world champion, a nine-time U.S. champion, and a two-time Olympian, who is this now-retired skater who's kept herself busy with higher education, endorsement deals, and public diplomacy appointments by the U.S. government. Is it Michelle Kwan? It is Michelle Kwan. Yes. Yeah. I love her. She she's, looks great. She's so awesome. Um, yes. Yeah, so she's, again, most decorated figure skater in U.S. history. Um, in December 2021, President Joe Biden announced that he intended to nominate Kwan to be the U.S. ambassador to Belize, and she was formally nominated in January 2022. Hearings okay. on the nomination were held before the Senate Foreign Relations Committee in May, and as of September 2022, she's still awaiting a confirmation vote by the full U.S. U.S. Senate. Uh, mm. yeah, they have some other stuff going on right now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, though, like throughout her, you know, after her retirement, like she got very involved in like public policy. She was like a um, goodwill ambassador for things. Mm-hmm. She did stuff under Hillary Clinton, like all this great stuff. So yeah. she's using a lot of her um a lot of her career and influence to do to do good things. Yeah. She's amazing. All right, finally, question 10. Sports Illustrated may have called Jackie Joyner Kersey the greatest female athlete of the 20th century, but she drew inspiration from the multi-sport athlete, Babe Didrikson Saharius. In what combined events contest did Joyner Kersey win Olympic gold twice? Um, uh, I mean, is it track and field? Is that a, is that a thing? Um, maybe that's her category, but okay. that that's not the combined events contest. Okay. Uh, mm, mm, I can't think of like the name of a combined event. The, um, let's say, let's say, uh, um, high jump and <laughs> the and the thousand meter dash, hundred meter dash. Is that is that something? <laughs> okay, Jackie Joyner Crazy won Olympic gold twice in the heptathlon. Oh, I wasn't gonna get that. Come on. Okay. okay. <laughs> well, you should know this about her. So the women's heptathlon is a two day contest. You have four events on the first day. There's three on the second. Um, so you're kind of right. Uh, the 
<laughs> the first days <laughs> events are the 100 meter hurdles, the high jump, the shot put, and the 200 meter dash. And the second day you get the long jump, the javelin throw, and the 800 meter. Um, okay. There's a very complex scoring system that I cannot fully explain. There's a lot of coefficients and formulas. Ooh, but Lord. Hecky Joyner Kersey's 1988 Olympic contest still stands as the world record and Olympic record in women's heptathlon. She got 7,291 points. Um, she was also an insanely good long jumper. She also won gold in 1988 in both the heptathlon and the long jump. And Amazing. her long jump record of 7.49 meters is second on the long jump all time list. It's just three centimeters behind the world record. So wow. it's still there. The record's still there more than 30 years later. Um, so Jackie Joyner Kersey note, um, her brother is the Olympic champion, uh, triple jumper, Al Joyner, who was married to Olympic track champion, Florence Griffith Joyner, who you've heard of Flo, Flo Joe. Jo, yes. Um, Flo jo was a runner who won gold in the hundred meter and 200 meter, as well as the four by 100 meter relay in Seoul. Um, Flo jo, I didn't re- realize that she died in her sleep of a seizure at age yes. 38 in 1998. Yeah. Um, but Flo, Flojo had a lot of controversy during her career too. A lot of people accused her of steroids use and, Mm -hmm. but you know, she was very famous in the media for wearing like just like really loud, amazing amazing clothes. Like Mm -hmm. her nails were like six inches long. She would wear her jewelry and her hair and whatever, like however she wanted. And she was still like just crushing it. Um, So yeah. It's like Sha'Carri Richardson, who's the, the runner who was, yep. Exactly, exactly. So yes, you know, Jackie Joyner Kersey was the heptathlon and uh, Flojo was really more of a sprinter, but you know, they're two important names to know there. Yeah, that's so, awesome. You did well, better than you thought you would. I'm, I'm, well, I'm sorry I didn't do better on the quiz. I did, sorry I didn't do your quiz justice, Julia. But hey, quick, who's the good. footballer? Who's the greatest Brazilian footballer? Her name is Marta. Marta, great. Yes. <laughs> You'll remember Done, I got it. Now. it. Yeah, I got to have a point for remembering it later. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, everybody, thank you for listening to to an episode on women's sports. Yeah. (laughs) I'm just doing like a... Like a just, like a sports you know intro segment. Oh, I, I should have done that at the top, but that's fine. That's all right. Yeah, listen to this one, everyone. Okay. <laughs> hey, Maybe you should have listened to this episode. <laughs> <laughs> Don't let women's sports and Jane Austen be at the bottom of our uh, of our <laughs> listeners listening. But um, but yeah, thank you for listening for getting this far and listening to it. Thank you, listener. Yes. You're the one of the good ones. You're one of the all stars. Yeah. Uh, So catch you guys next time. Yeah, (laughs) catch you next time. Bye. Bye.